You're making one right decision today. You're listening to Handcuffs and Sage. Three badass moms bringing you all the true crime and paranormal your heart desires. I'm Red. I'm Timo. I'm Dre. And don't let your kids listen. Seriously, just don't. Hey, it's Handcuffs and Sage. This is Red. Hey, this is Timo. Hey, hey, this is Dre. And this is our Down the Rabbit Hole episode. Oh my goodness. I love Down the Rabbit Hole episodes. We so excited. about all sorts of fun things before oh, we yeah. get started. Um, I got messaged about my positivity that <laughs> I like to drink. So I wanted to show you guys, this is what I drink. If you can see it, it's the Yogi brand and it's orange and it's sweet tangerine positive energy and sometimes I even do two bags oh Oh. this is what I love 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 to drink I drink it you know evening time when I just need a little extra boost to get through the rest of the day I love it so it's just the yogi brand stop for a second I'm a little blown away okay I I think you need to like claim this as your trademark (laughs) what the positivity can that be like a brand? Yes. <laughs> I seriously I thought and so it's not yes. it's not. Okay, let me tell y'all right now. <laughs> Ever since my husband and I have been together, I've been telling him I am a word creation. Okay. I think of all <laughs> sorts of fun words, right? So I was saying it's my positivity, you know, just to be cute, right? <laughs> And, and Hilda, she's so fantastic. She reached out. She's like, hey, I don't know if this is the tea you got. And it's called Positivity. Oh. Ah, it's already <laughs> out there. Oh, my gosh. But it, it is different than the one I drink. But I should try her Positivity. And we should just get yeah. crazy positive all over the place. Hmm. <laughs> this whole time. I've thought that you were actually no. just like the name of the brand of tea that you were drinking. Hilarious. No. Positive energy, you guys. Let's bring it. Yeah. So <laughs> listeners, uh, our Dre, who is a badass, has been working these 12-hour shifts in mm-hmm. ICU COVID unit. And she literally pulled up into her driveway to record tonight. Uh, she's sitting in her car. Um, she's cutting in and out a little bit. Forgive her. We'll forgive her. It's all good. Um, <laughs> but that's just the way shit goes sometimes, you know. And that's why we appreciate everyone's support because right. you guys are hardworking. We, we try to pull it together when we can and do the best job we can. And so when we get, you know, messages and Patreon support, it means a lot. It means a lot to us. So everyone has a chance to be a badass to check out our Patreon page. We have a couple different levels there, depending on the, the level you choose. I'm sending out swag to our Patreon supporters. I want to give a shout out to Jen, our new hey, Jen. supporter. Ooh, she's so great. Hey. She's an amazing artist. She does the most amazing stuff. Just such a beautiful soul. I love Jen. So thank you. Um, and then anytime you have a chance, it takes two seconds to leave a review on iTunes. And that helps us out so much. Two seconds. I, I listen to podcasts 
and I am even bad at it. So I've made a conscious decision, right? Since doing this podcast to take the time, leave a review, let them know what you love about their podcast because it is, it's a lot of work. So we appreciate everybody's support and we hope that you enjoy the down the rabbit hole episodes as much as we enjoy the down the rabbit hole episodes because I like them. It's something yeah. a little different. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. time yeah. for us to all like get together and hang loose and talk about the same thing. And I'm so excited about the topics we're doing right now. <gasps> yes. Okay. We watched Surviving Death on Netflix. It blew our minds. We loved were it. talking about it. Loved it. It was scrumptious. I loved all of it. So today we are going to cover part one of Surviving Death, the Netflix series. And part one is near death experiences. Oh my, I love it. I love everything about so this. Good. I think it's so interesting. And I just want to know more and I want to hear more stories. And it's just kind of mind blowing. And I think they did such a great job talking to doctors, talking to people with their own stories and how they all come together. And what does it mean? I just love everything yeah. about this. I mentioned to you guys on the group chat that I love the opening of it. Um, I'm not going to sing it because we don't hold the, the copyrights for it, but yeah, it's Armin Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky. Guys, the first uh, set of lyrics, which I love. Um, when I die and they lay me to rest, going to go to the place that's the best. When I lay me down mm -mm -mm. to die going up to the spirit in the sky. Bang. I love it. Oh, yeah, cool. I, love it it. I mean, I hope, I hope so. I have stuff in my path. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, I'll let y'all know. Okay, All more right. to come All on right. that. Okay, so when we start part one, near-death experiences, it starts off in this amazing landscape. It's in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's gorgeous, right? And you see a woman and she's kayaking and these rushing waters. It's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. If I liked kayaking, I, I would totally be doing that. I'm not a kayaker. I'm going to be honest that I'm not oh, ever going to do that, but no. it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Yeah. It's a beautiful scene. And so we meet Mary Neal and she's actually a doctor. She's an orthopedic spine surgeon. And that sounds like a very stressful job. I can, Oh my God. <laughs> nope. <laughs> You can have all my notes, right? So she she's a doctor and she's telling us her story. And it takes place 20 years ago. It happened in 1999. And she likes to kayak. I don't know why. And she planned this trip in Chile, right? A kayaking trip. And she chose this place, she said, actually because of the waterfalls. It is gorgeous. They show clips. It's beautiful. Not to kayak down. No. Oh, no. not ever. I was don't sign me up for that. Damn. Like someone would have to pay me mass. <laughs> no, I won't do it. I still won't do it. I'm going to okay. throw myself over a cliff of water in this little plastic boat thing that I'm strapped into. No. Right. Cross my fingers. No. <laughs> no, thank you. Seriously. No. Plastic. <laughs> Our safe word is banana, and I would be screaming banana the entire trip. <laughs> banana! Okay, so, banana! <laughs> so 
So she says that it they're trying to navigate these waters and there's a couple smaller drops that they're feeling better about. So she decides she's gonna actually do a smaller drop. As she comes to a smaller part of the waterfall though, there's another kayaker there already lodged in her way and she can't get through and it pushes her over a main waterfall, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <sighs> right? You know that yeah. feeling of falling? It's just sickening. So she knows she's going down. Yeah, she's like, I knew it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be good, girl. I'm like, hell, ugh. You know, the top of a roller coaster, right? Uh -huh. yeah. She is about to go down. Yeah. She goes down. She says that she gets pinned underneath 10 feet of water underneath this, this waterfall, right? So she's, mm -hmm. she's pinned. Her body is pinned to the front of the kayak. She mm -hmm. says she can feel her bones breaking oh mm -mm. that when she said that my body hurt right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she said she wanted to scream and she couldn't because she's underwater mm -hmm. <gasps> okay crazy so then she says something bananas she says she felt no pain no fear no panic and she was more alive than ever before Mm -hmm. what what <laughs> okay what's happening here girl mary what's happening okay she said she could feel her spirit peeling away from her body and being released up into the heavens okay mm. she's greeted by a group of spirits or beings she didn't recognize them like sometimes we hear you know, oh, I saw a family member, right? Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. said she didn't recognize them, but these people had been important in her life story somehow. So maybe like a grandmother that passed before she was around, that kind of thing, but she didn't recognize them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when she's saying that, it, it kind of gave me goosebumps that our lineage, our ancestors are still so important to us, right? And they're all still kind of there rooting us on, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I just thought that was very interesting. And that these beings are overjoyed to greet her. And I love that. She said that there was a pathway. And then through the pathway, that there was hundreds of thousands of these amazing flowers. And she could smell the aroma of the flowers. And she could see every color in the universe. This sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Sign me up, right? It sounds incredible. <laughs> she says that there's a shift of time and dimension. And that she experienced all eternity. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that. Like and I've done acid, right? Okay. <laughs> but I didn't experience all eternity. This sounds <laughs> super amazing. So everything she is saying just sounds incredible. She went to a dome structure and she said it was heaven and that she felt like she was home. Oh, I yeah. love everything Imagine about this. That comfort. Ugh. Ugh. Like a warm blankie out of the dryer. Mm -hmm. mm -mm -mm -mm. Mm -hmm. let's all die y'all just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> okay so she's saying all these things but then she says at the same time she's able to see her body under the water okay trippy 
it is a trip. And we hear this later on in other stories, how they can be at different places at one time. Mm-hmm. Crazy. She says she sees the group of kayakers. They're trying to get her. They're trying to rescue her. You know, at one point she sits, you know, she sees that they've kind of given up on this rescue and they're really just trying to find her body, right? That they know she's dead. Uh, one of the kayakers saw her life jacket like going down the water and he thought, oh, her, maybe her husband would like to have her, her life jacket, like something. Mm-hmm. So he goes to get the life jacket, feels her body on his leg, grabs her, pulls her out. She says she sees her body, that it's like bloated, it's purple, and she has fixed eyes, and that she is physically dead, Mm -hmm. okay? She watches them do CPR on her. She can hear them. She can hear them saying her name. This this is crazy. I have chills. She can hear them saying her name and saying, please come back. So she opens her eyes. She's back in her body. Crazy. Back in her body. They load her body up on a boat. Remember, they're in Chile and they're in a jungle. This is nuts. Right. They load her body up on a boat. They get her uphill to this dirt road. And on this dirt road, in the middle of nowhere, there's an ambulance. What? Yeah. That's what? crazy. Inter- that's divine intervention right there. That's For real. Seriously. crazy. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Crazy story. They get her to the hospital. They tell her husband they don't think she's going to survive the night. She's in the hospital for a month. She does several months of rehab. She has no brain damage. She kind of kids that her kids might think, say differently, ha, 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 but she doesn't have brain damage. <laughs> and I just think this is, this is an incredible, incredible story. Like you see pictures of her and her rehab and everything she's gone through. She's an incredible woman. And she's a doctor and she says, doctors don't want to discuss experiences like this because they're scientific and they don't want to hear about anything supernatural. Now here, we do want to hear about the supernatural. Open Mm -hmm. minds on the podcast, right? But these doctors, they they really don't want to hear about it. Um, But then she said that... even though with this experience, what really solidified it was what happened to her son 10 years later and and that we don't know everything that's in store for us. So that's where we leave that story with Mary and we'll, we'll come back to her, but it's an incredible story. It gives me the chills the entire time she's telling her story, it's mm-hmm. amazing. So then we're at the University of Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, and we meet Bruce Grayson. He's a doctor. He's a professor of psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences. And he works in the division of perceptual studies, the study of near-death experiences. I didn't know this was a thing. So I'd like to go back in time bloop, 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 and go <laughs> to school for this. Um, it just, how, how cool would that be, right? Like, oh yeah. Is, and yeah. he's talking about like all the books in their library that they study. Yes. I want this library. I want all these books, mediums, reincarnation, yes. near-death experiences. I'm like, what? I want those books. I want those books <laughs> also. It, it was so cool. So then we meet Jim Tucker. He's, he's also a doctor, MD. 
He's the director of the Division of Perceptual Studies. And they said that there's been research on this going on for about 50 years. Who knew? Mind blown. I, I just mm -hmm. think this is so, so cool. So the first collection of near-death experiences came out in 1892 by Albert Hein. And he was in Switzerland. And I guess he was up in some Alps. That sounds cold. I'm not like interested in that. Um, but he was, he was into it. And he fell down the mountain. And he said it was like the most amazing, beautiful experience. And he had a near, near death experience and it blew his mind. Mm -hmm. And then he found others that had similar experiences where they died and it was amazing. And he collected about 30 of these. So this is like our first collection of near-death experiences. I think that's such a trip. And then they were saying that in the 60s and 70s, what did we have? CPR, CPR comes out. And now we're able to help bring more and more people back to life. And so now we're hearing more and more stories of right. dying coming back. Such a right. trip, man. I love it. I dig yeah. it all. It's so, so, so interesting. Um, we meet Raymond Moody, he's a doctor. And he said that a lot of a lot of patients talk about similar things. So a tunnel or a portal that they go into it, that there's a brilliant, warm, accepting light. I just I love that. I just love that. And he he wrote a book called um, Life After Life. So just really, really interesting stuff. And then we meet Peter Fenwick. He's an MD. He's a neuropsychiatrist uh, at the University of Cambridge. And he's, he's a gentleman Englishman, right? Mm -hmm. he's, he's a great guy. And he said, I thought it was all rubbish. Mm -hmm. I thought it was ridiculous. And we're far <laughs> too sensible in the UK to have experiences like this, right? It was just too cute. I love him. I love, love, old men like this and he had an English accent so I was all about it right um but then he said he had an, a patient his own patient have an experience with a near-death experience and so then he started looking into it and he's been researching it for 40 years so I loved it too when uh, he's like that only happens in the United States especially in California I'm like yeah, especially yeah. in California <laughs> Cali, That's what they think about us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Even though the brain stops functioning, these experiences are happening, right? So there's consistent patterns that they are looking at. There's time. Time is distorted. And I think that that's a trip too, that a lot of them say the same thing about time, that it could be an eternity in one second. Mm -hmm. it's crazy I just love it okay so time distortion a warm light and that that there's a profound change in them after and so it's actually kind of sad because there are times when you see that there's a struggle after they have these experiences so a lot of them are profoundly changed afterward but a lot of them don't have a fear of death right they're they don't have that anymore so that's, right. that's really interesting too. They don't have a fear of death, but they are changed in a lot of ways. Yeah. Really, really interesting. So let's talk about what changes in them. Um, so we're going to go to Seattle 
and we meet Kimberly Clark. She's a licensed clinical social worker and she's um, running the Seattle International Association for Near Death Experience Studies. And she's there, you know, in a big room, you know, with a bunch of people and people with near death experiences. And she kind of makes a joke like, hold up your hand if you've had Mm-hmm. Your death experiences <laughs> and she's like there's a lot of dead people in here it was just kind of okay all right and we know funny. you say like, that all every these time people. yeah mm-hmm. it was crazy it was crazy but she counsels people that have had these experiences and it I guess it never really dawned on me like what the struggle would be in the way that they struggle does that make sense right right yeah. right so uh, we meet Donette Kramer and she had a near-death experience and she's talking to Kim and she's saying it was, it's hard to talk to her husband about what happened because she feels like someone's going to come with a straitjacket that people are going to think she's, she's crazy and that she is a completely different view of life. And Kim was telling us that a lot of them, after these experiences, they have difficulty with materialism, not in like a bad way, just things don't matter, right? They don't have meaning to them anymore. Um, it's hard for them to hold a job, right? Marriages can suffer, probably because when you go through something like that, you probably think none of this matters, right? I know what's to come. So right. it's probably like- really hard to function. Right. Or like, why did I have to come back? I wanted to stay. Why did I come back to this place? Like, I would rather be there than here, you know? Yes. Yes. So those were things that I guess didn't dawn on me before. So insight like that, I just thought was really interesting. Um, So one of the guys that got up and spoke was Jose Hernandez. And he's telling his story. So he was on a bucket truck and he was going to in between uh, lines, like poles with electric lines. And he hit the side of the bucket. He breaks a bunch of ribs. They take him to the emergency room. They give him pain medication and he actually has a severe allergic reaction Mm -hmm. to the pain medication and he stops breathing, okay? So his story is, is that he actually like fell into a tunnel so he didn't walk through a tunnel. He, he yeah. fell into a tunnel that there was a lot of color, but he was like part of the color. And I kind of love that, that he was, he was part of it and that there was yeah. millions of voices around him. And he looks down and he's looking down and he sees the ocean and that there's a man knee deep in the water. It was his dad. This is really meaningful for him because him and his dad had a really hard relationship when he was alive, like never said, I love you or anything. And so he sees his father and they hug and he's Mm, crying as he's telling the story. He's like a 50 something year old man, totally crying. Oh Oh my gosh. It's just my heart, my heart just clenched. So he's hugging his dad, him and his dad are saying, I love you. And he's crying and he's saying, you need to go back. And Jose, we're hearing this again. I don't want to go back. This Mm -hmm. is great. Mm -hmm. That they make a compromise. 
you go back, but when it is your time, I will be there to greet you when it is your time. And he said, okay. okay. And so he comes back. Just crazy stories. It's just amazing. I just think this is just so, so, so cool. And then he says um, he wasn't living life before, but that he's living life now. So it gives, it does give them perspective. So interesting. So a lot of times when we hear about near-death experiences, we hear these medical explanations for it, right? That drugs given to someone can cause near-death experiences, but they actually find that the fewer amount of drugs that are given, it is more likely to have a near-death experience. So drugs can actually keep you from that. So I thought that was very interesting. Another explanation is lack of oxygen. And they said that people actually experiencing lack of oxygen become frightened and terrified. And those aren't the feelings that people are having in their near-death experiences. They're having these amazing blissful feelings, not this scared feeling. So that's, mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Um, do you want to talk about Pam Reynolds? Yeah. So Pam Reynolds in 2005, she had this huge aneurysm on her brain and the only way that they could somehow help her get rid of this was basically stopping her heart and oh my god this freaked me out remove all the blood out of her body so that they could shrink this aneurysm it, was crazy. it wouldn't like blow up and like you know bleed out this happened Ugh. for an hour she was for an hour I don't know how this is possible. If a doctor said the only way we can save your life is to stop your heart and brain for an hour, what would you know? That's crazy. and take all the blood out of your body. What? It's crazy. Fine, they do this on Grey's Anatomy all the time. <laughs> what? All the time? Oh, then all it's not time. a big deal. You on guys Grey's Anatomy, and it's they do it in thirty minutes, Dre. I may, have, I may have told you though, you guys, that my uncle, he, he recently passed away, but my uncle lived in South Dakota and this was like in the like late nineties, I think. And he was, he was like a, he was like, he worked with the police department, right? So he was patrolling and he crashed mm -hmm. on some black ice. Yes. And it was, it was snowing. He crashed on some black ice, um, went down a ravine his head was basically like brains out, oh, but was in, on the ice. Uh, and so uh, crazy story. Like he survived this episode. He survived. Nuts. He freaking survived. And why? Because probably because he was on ice. Right. And it right. slowed it down. Crazy. It down. So it happens. I mean, it, it's so insane, but yeah, he survived this, this experience. It was, it's mind boggling how, how this works, you know, yeah. but it, is. it does, it works. So crazy. So she signed up for this. She <laughs> said, yes, let's do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. She had no brain activity for an hour. Yeah. So she could flatline and she had no brain activity. So she reported that during this time, her body left, she called it this thing on the table and yeah. she flew <laughs> above her body but she was like <laughs> up in the sky and then she was on the side she could see like all around the room in many different perspectives mm -hmm. the doctor said that her eyes were shut she had earplugs but she can recall what they were doing to her 
that the equipment that they were using to to like basically saw into her brain Crazy. reminded her of a electric toothbrush mm-hmm. and the doctor said yeah i guess if i had to explain this mm-hmm. of equipment to somebody yes, that's how did. i would explain it and then mm-hmm. there was this other thing with tools in it this toolbox looking thing and she said they look like socket wrenches and he's like yeah that's exactly that's what exactly they do. what it looks like right yeah. And her eyes, her eyes were taped shut. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were she couldn't see. Shut. Oh, and yeah. her ears were plugged. Yeah. So she couldn't hear or see any yeah. brain activity. And she knew all this. So yeah. crazy. I know. Mind blown. Oh yeah. Okay. Bananas. Go ahead. Go. Bananas. It's so great. So um, even though she was clinically dead, she right. saw everything. Right. I and know. so mm-hmm. the, the doctor's like, the doctor, his mind is blown. Blown. The doctor doesn't doesn't understand how this works. He's like, there's no way. There's no way she could have seen all this, heard all this. There's there's just absolutely no way. Stuff like this trips me out. And <laughs> I I just I love that we're we're talking about it. So then we go to Chicago and this uh-huh. this is crazy. We meet uh-huh. Stephanie Arnold. Oh my goodness. Yeah. She said that. It feels like she has a gaping hole left in her soul and she feels like she's crumbling on the inside all the time. And that her near-death experience was not a pleasant one. Oh my goodness. So she marries her husband, Jonathan, and they have a baby girl. And then they have to do like seven rounds or something of IVF to get pregnant with their second baby okay so all is good until until the 20 week ultrasound and she finds out that she has placenta previa and she has a terrible feeling instantly when when they tell her that she has this she looks into it and you know part of placenta previa is you can hemorrhage and you can die And she immediately felt like that's what's going to happen to me, but my baby's going to live and I'm going to die. She instantly had that feeling. So it is kind of crazy, right? Well, at this point, I would think that she went on um, WebMD where they tell you you're going to die all the time. Right. Yeah. But then she she explains herself. Like on every page, WebMD (laughs) says, you're dead, you're going to (laughs) die. But there's more to her story. Right. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Okay. And that's, that's what's crazy is placenta preview happens to so many people. I had yes. it with Jonathan too. Oh I thought goodness. I was going to die too, but you know, it goes this, away. It, this is next level. This is next level. So I yeah. want to talk about Stephanie's husband, Jonathan. Okay. So the couple is sitting there. Jonathan is asked, what did you think when she said this? Right. And he says, it was stereotypical pregnancy hysteria. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone in the room, everyone doing the interview, the wife, everyone, you could tell everyone was like, you asshole, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but I completely and totally understand this type of person because my husband is this type of person, <laughs> right? Very type A, very data driven, right? Not... Uh-huh. Uh, feelings kind of thing 
So he was an Air Force pilot. Right, right, right. Um, he has a PhD in economics, okay? And he says it's all about the data. He's all about data. He doesn't want to complicate things with words or feelings. This mm-hmm. is so my husband. He does not. <laughs> so what, what cracks me up is they seem the same way. Very yin and yang. She's emotional and he's data, right? Same thing with me and my husband. Yin, yin, yin. I'm a hippie and he's, I need the, I need the data. I need the numbers, right? So I get this. They, they balance each other out. And she definitely gives him a look when he says this in the interview. Like, shut mm-hmm. the fuck up. Okay. Um, so she has this foreboding, this very intense feeling that something bad is going to happen. She says that if someone asked her how the pregnancy was going, she would say to them, oh, I'm going to die. I am going to die. Okay. So she says that she has this premonition where she's in the park. There's a fountain, it's dry, but then it starts running water, but it's not water, it's blood. (laughs) Yeah, and then she starts to hemorrhage with this premonition, goes to the ER, I know, this is crazy, 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 goes to the ER, and in the ER, they say, no, it's okay, you're okay, everything's fine, okay? So she's having these premonitions, she feels like she's going to die. We meet her doctor, Julie Levitt, and she says, you know, of course, when women are pregnant, we have concerns. Uh, we've all had our babies. We all have our concerns. We're worried. Uh, she said that this was something completely different, that she has never even witnessed something like this. Like she said, I am going to die. Right. And it was very intense. And she felt like she just wanted to keep her calm. Right. Just try to calm her and ease her through the pregnancy as, as best she could. The morning she goes into labor, she's making breakfast for her, for her daughter. And then she says that blood just gushes, just goes everywhere. Her nanny tries to drive her <laughs> to, the, to the hospital. And she says, oh, hell no, I'm, I'm driving myself. I know I'm dying today, but a car accident wasn't part of it. So I am driving. She's so crazy. She's so crazy. So... <laughs> She, she, they get to the hospital, right? They have a C-section. She delivers her her beautiful, healthy baby boy, Jacob, that's great. She flatlines. Boom. Bananas. Bananas. She flatlines. She said it was like a 3D movie that she was outside her body. Mm-hmm. So we heard this before, right? Outside the body, mm-hmm. to the side, above right? She could kind of be where she wanted in that space and kind of see everything that was going on. Um, She said that in the hospital, like she could see where her daughter was with the nanny. Mm -hmm. And then she could see her husband and what he was wearing at the airport trying to get to her. What? So amazing. And then she said that there was spirits everywhere there with her, that her grandmother, her uncle, were there just crazy and then she could hear her doctor saying this can't be happening this can't be happening right because she'd been telling her doctor for three yeah. months I'm mm-hmm. going to die mm-hmm. right and her doctor saying I can't this can't be happening right it's just, just this crazy crazy moment and her doctor says this is as serious as it gets right she was bleeding to death so then she says she feels like a pooling in her stomach. 
she comes back into her body and she was dead, clinically dead for 37 seconds. Crazy. So she's in a, in a medically induced coma for six days. She has to learn how to walk and talk again. Like this is just, yeah. she just had a baby and is going through all this. So my heart, oh, just, oh, I just, oh, it's, it's a lot. So then she tells her doctor what she saw and what she heard in the room. And it's just incredible because the doctor said that when this was happening, that she put her, her hands like this over her and she said, this can't be happening. Right. And she heard her, right? Chills, yeah. prepare for chills. We're in the interview with the husband, Jonathan and Stephanie and Jonathan said, there's obviously something going on here that I don't understand, but I believe that she knew. And you can tell that he had not said that up until that moment in the interview, because <laughs> she starts crying and she's like, I needed him to say that. I needed someone to believe me because she felt like she was losing it when she knew that that was going to happen. I just wanted to hug her. And her husband's like, yeah, this is why we have science and we look into what we do because we don't know everything. And that's true. We have, we have no idea. Just an incredible story. It's, it's just so good. So then we're back at the University of Virginia and you know, the studies that they look into. And, you know, people, people really struggle with understanding their near-death experiences. But something that's different about Stephanie is that she had all these premonitions and that's not very common. So she, you know, definitely has like some kind of intuitive character about it. But she said that after her NDE, that her visions and premonitions are like way more intense. She says it, it's a lot more, she says it's a blessing, but it's a challenge to deal with. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure it is. Um, and the doctor says, you know, for some advice, you're not alone, right? Other people have had these experiences. There's a purpose. You have a purpose and we're just not in control of it. And I think that's great advice. Like we don't know, we're not in control. Just kind of do the best you can. That's all we can, any of us can do, right? Um, she does say that now she's a little more serious and she doesn't laugh as much. And that made me kind of sad that her husband kind of misses that. So maybe she just needs to work through it. Oh, just, oh, my heart. So she's been through a lot. She's been through yeah. a lot. Yeah. So we go to New York City, to Jose, to the, the really sweet older man who shared his story about seeing his dad and they said, I love you. And I was crying. Oh. And so we see Jose and he's painting. And he said that, after he died, he started painting a few years after that. And he started because he was trying to recreate. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to recreate what he saw, the colors and like he wanted that feeling again. And he said that he realized along the way that it was much deeper than that. And that the art he was doing was very healing and that dying is very traumatic. I, yes, I assume that dying is very traumatic, mm -hmm. like crazy, right? And, but he does all this really amazing art. And so that, that's what's healing him. And you can tell that he loves it. And he does really cool stuff, really yeah. cool art. Very interested 
so he says the art is giving him peace. I love that. Um, do you want to go back to Jackson Hole, Wyoming? Yeah. So back to Mary. Yeah. Oh, so sad. Mary. I don't know. Mary, the doctor that the kayak lady, uh, you know, she's <laughs> the kayak lady. out there by the river again, <laughs> sitting in this like beautiful, like field with, you can see the trees and the mountains and, and everything. And, um, she starts talking about how, when she had her near death experience that these beings had told her that her son, Willie, they told her that her son Willie was going to pass away. And oh. well, yeah. At the time he was nine years yeah. old when yeah. this happened, right? Oh my gosh. Oh. She didn't know how, when, why, nothing, but she just knew in her heart that her son was not going to make it to the age of 18. So she said, that's how I live. Like I woke up every morning wondering if today was the day that I was going to lose my son. What a way to live, man. That's just absolutely horrifying. This was hard. This was hard. Yeah. Was hard. So I guess her son was like a professional skier. He, you know, he yes. did ski competitions. So Mary didn't tell anyone. And then right. at his 18th birthday, she told him right at four in the morning, goes to his hotel room, tells him, he takes it well. She said mm -hmm. he took it with stride, but he doesn't die, right? Right. It wasn't until two years later that he was at a ski camp and they're going down a slope with his friends. A car misses the friend and hits him and kills him instantly. Yes. Oh. So what was so sad is she said, oh, maybe they had it wrong. Maybe they were wrong. She oh, thought she, it I was know. wrong. She they were safe. This so, was a lot. This was so hard for me. And she, she's like, you know, even though she knows what happens after, she misses him and she grieves for him and she loves him. And I just wanted to hug her. I just wish I was there to hug her. It's she so said, sad. With all the information that I was giving, all the like the wondrous things that I saw, everything that I experienced, it did not take away me and having to grieve like the whole yes, grieving period of, of what she had to do mm -hmm. like yeah it's oh ugh. oh it just hurts my heart it it was just so even though they have these experiences mm. and the way that they view life and live life is different now of course you're going to grieve and miss your family even though Right. You kind of see what what's what's on the other side. So, oh, uh, her story just killed my heart. Just, oh, that was a rough I mean, one. That was a rough she one. know. Yeah, she knows like firsthand that okay, I am gonna see him again. He's with me somewhere. I don't know where, but he's somewhere. But still, you have to live your life without that person for a certain oh, you know, period of time. Yeah, yeah. No. Awful. yeah. So mm -hmm. I I love part one so much and I'm going to look into more near-death experiences so if anyone else like if you're hearing this and you want to share a near-death experience let us know and we can share or have you on the podcast we would love that right I would just love 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 that I think it's so interesting I, I I'm going to share one Ooh. not I was going to ask not my personal but my grandma's so yes this is my mom's mom and y'all, she had 13 kids. 
Okay. Damn. 13 kids. Okay. Was that 13th, the Jersey Devil? <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. okay. I remember that story. Yeah, but this is such the, this is so crazy. So she grew up with 11 brothers and sisters. So there was 12 of them. Okay. And before I get into the near death experience, like when they were all like adults, come to find out that my grandma and my grandma had Alzheimer's. She died of Alzheimer's. Mm. She was just starting to get into like this Alzheimer's stage. Mm -hmm. And we all find out that my grandma had a child out of wedlock before she married my grandfather and her father made her put the baby up for adoption. And this, she kept this a secret. Maybe my grandpa knew, I don't know, but this daughter found her and they met, but we're not sure if she knew what uh, she understood what was going on. And some of the siblings accepted her. Some of the siblings didn't accept her. My mom Mm. did accept her. And then the funny thing is, or not funny thing, but she was one of the first of all the siblings to also get Alzheimer's and pass away. Oh no. Uh. So another freaky thing is, um, my uncle, who is the oldest, the firstborn, and my aunt, who was the baby of the family, they were born on the same exact day, 30 years what? apart. Wow. Yeah. They like to, you know, get it on the same time of year, just about. It's so crazy. Yeah. Same sex days on the calendar. Lot, though, guys. <laughs> Like, what? I do hear this a lot that like that the dates in the family do get repeated, whether in death or life, right? That's During like birthdays and stuff. Like my uncle passed away on, on his daughter's birthday. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, these things happen often. There was just, somebody had just said that, oh, it's like uh, somebody on Facebook, one of their, their grandmother died at the age of 99 and she died on her birthday. Wow. It's just so weird how these yeah. dates just continue to repeat, you know, um, Interesting. Yeah, really bonkers. So, so I, I my, don't want to interrupt you, but I have one that's too. Okay. When, when my grandma got pregnant with my aunt, the, the, the last one, she thought she was going through menopause. So she had no clue what was going on. Oh, and the doctor God. told her, oh, no, oh, no. We're having this a baby. is going to happen to me. I, I know. know it. I know it. Menopause baby. Menopause baby. It happens. Watch out. So she was up in her age, you know, she was menopausal time, you know. And so as she was get, giving birth, she passed away. And she said that she went through a tunnel through a bright light and she saw her son who was in um, the military he was in air force he was in the air force and him and his pregnant wife were murdered and um, it's still a mystery today we don't know what happened Um, but she saw him and some other family members and they told her to go back and she went back so that's it's been oh passed down gosh. to me many many wow. times so I'm sure there is more to the story than that but that's just the gist yes. of, of it that I have but yeah you guys so crazy that's crazy yeah wow that's amazing yeah so you know you guys I I don't have any any um anything to say about my my 
I guess, near-death experience because I was a baby when this happened. Mm. Mm. Right? I may mm-hmm. have told this before, but I'll just tell it again because we're doing the episode. So we were in downtown LA. I was nine months old. Oh, my baby dad had Jay. For, yeah, my dad <laughs> had a thing for like Bruce Lee movies at the time. It's sure, 1979, right? Mm-hmm. So um, my mom was holding me in the dark movie theater in LA and um, she says that I let out like a blood curdling shriek <gasps> and my body suddenly went <gasps> limp, <gasps> right? I stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. There was no heartbeat. What? There was nothing. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So she said that, um, you know, she ran out and that there was no help. She's like, somebody call 911. We need, you know, she's not breathing. She's not breathing. Oh. Um everybody was like grabbing me every which way like blow air into her like nose into her butt into like whatever they were being like you know people don't know what to do this is like 1979 and so nobody knew what to do they were scrambling people were trying to like put ice on me like to to scare me or like to whatever they were like Mm -hmm. slapping me and stuff Mm -hmm. and um she said that like out of nowhere uh an undercover cop comes over And he just like grabs me and he starts doing CPR. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like 10 minutes had to have passed at least 10 minutes for sure. I was dead. There was no heartbeat. There was nothing. And suddenly I started crying. Oh my God. Uh, Is that why you're so weird? (laughs) I think Ah! so. (laughs) It's because you're the air being blown up your ass I'm my- <laughs> we figured it out yes. a long time coming they say that if you cross over to the other side and you come back then the veil is thinner and you're yes. able to see and feel things more than anyone else Ooh. You know, I, I have always been able to see like things but I didn't I never really um pay that much attention to it I think part of it is like I was super freaked out um but I mean sure. sometimes sometimes depending on who I'm around the it's more apparent definitely yes, yes. Definitely. I get that too sure yes yeah, yeah. So there's a it. horror movie. It was made in the uh, probably the, the late '80s. Probably, um, it's called Flatliners. They they did make a yes! of it, but the original one is so much better because it has Kevin Bacon. It has yes. Demi Moore. It has all these like the Brat Pack kids. Yeah, and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like near death experiences gone wrong. Mm-hmm. What happens when you cross yes. that veil and come back? Yeah, Ugh. yeah. I remember oh. Flatliners, girl. Hell yes, God. and they're in that oh, old church me. that they're renovating, <laughs> so it's all spooky. Oh, it's so great! I love yeah. it. Such it's a great movie. Creepalicious, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. I I love I love this near death experience thing. So if anyone else has stories, ooh, let's let's hear them. I dig yes. it. So we we need to do the whittle of the week, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. we sure do. Are you ready? <laughs> I have a guess. Right. I don't think it is, but I'll tell you the guess after you tell it, re- retell it. All right. Okay. All right. I am long and hard. Most people will happily spend their wages on me. After having me, people feel a great feeling of relief. 
I think it's labor. I think it's birth and labor. That makes so much sense. I don't know. You you got to spend the wages. You do spend your fucking wages on these little beans. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. My kids are free. I haven't spent a cent on them. It's amazing. Um, We had a guest, right? Yes. And then uh, Hilda said a vacation in Vegas, but I think she just wants to do a girl's trip to Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) We're there as soon as it opens up again. I'll see you soon, girl. You know, it's never what you think it is, right? So, ready? Is it a fart? Yes. It's an, no. <laughs> you spend your wages on farts? I don't know. You buy farts? I don't know. No. No, that's All the food not. that makes you fart? Yeah. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's, okay. It's an education. Oh. Yeah. oh. I thought it was something sexy. Wah, wah. I know. Wow. I'm still paying for mine, y'all. Yeah, I'm 40. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm 47. I'm still paying for my education. Yeah. yeah. Forever. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. All right. You guys. Have a widow of the week. Do we have a new one? Yeah. We do. You ready? Yep. Yeah. This one's, you're never going to guess it. I swear. This is terrible. I don't even know. This one just popped out oh, at me. Oh, shit. All right. What's a four-letter word that begins with F and ends with K? And if you can't get it, you can always just use your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is great. Send us your ideas, your guesses. We love to hear from you always. Uh, Okay. So hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. What am I missing? Check out our Patreon page. Support your favorite ladies. You guys can choose which level uh, suits you best, and then you get fun swag from us. Uh, Oh, you can always email us. Yes, handcuffsandsage at gmail.com and our website, handcuffsandsagepodcast.com. Yes. 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 Excellent. Message us. Let us know how amazing life is going for you. Um, yay. Yay. And stay tuned because um, we have more to come on surviving death. Yes. Okay. Are you guys ready? We're ready. Yeah. Just like you. We We have have questions. All day, every day. All right. Say goodnight, y'all. Time for night night. See ya. Bye. Handcuffs and Sage is hosted by Red, Timo, and Dre in a shitty guest room in Los Angeles. Theme music is Leave Now by We Are Wasted. Cover art done by Megan Winchester. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Show some love on iTunes. Be a badass and do what you want. Until next time.